Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. So grateful to have you here for this unique episode today. We have my amazing, brilliant, gorgeous husband, John, here. And we are going to talk about Bitcoin. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about the sovereign individual and what true freedom really looks like for you. So thanks so much for hanging out. Thank you for tuning in. Would love to hear what you think and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm ecstatic about today's episode. We have my brilliant, amazing, gorgeous husband here, John, and we are going to talk all about Bitcoin. And this is something that my clients have been asking about. This is something that is a very popular conversation on the media. And like I talked to my clients about, and as many of as you know, I like to really stay ahead of the curve as it comes to launching and scaling businesses, as it comes to sharing the medicine on our hearts. I do think it's important to know what the world is talking about, to know why Bitcoin really is such a hot topic. John and I are not financial advisors. We are here just to share the wisdom that has really supported us in our life and our lifestyle. And our intention is just to educate, to have a conversation and invite you into this conversation as well. John, my love, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Erin. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Yay, I know. You've been a big supporter of the Wise Women podcast for so long. And let's just share a little bit of a background on you, on what you do in the world. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, right now, I've, and for a few years, I've worked in the healthcare space uh, following uh, my time in college at Northwestern. I worked as a consultant helping hospitals and health systems with their strategic planning, worked at a large insurance provider, uh, gotten a double master's in health economics and policy, and now working uh, as a product manager and sourcing products from around the world and helping to uh, deliver to uh, hospitals and and other clinicians. So, um, you know, really I spent a lot of time focusing on, on healthcare specifically, but also uh, understanding as it relates to the financial aspects uh, of healthcare, and as I've had more time on my hands, I've gotten more interested in Bitcoin and in money and, and how to create and thinking towards the future, creating and, and storing value and wealth uh, using Bitcoin. So I've been doing a lot of reading, uh, listening to different podcasts, and there's so much information out there that I think it's important to try to distill it. Uh, into a story and into a way that you know makes sense for for everyone on the day to day. We know how busy everybody is, and you hear the headlines, and you know you might think I don't want to get get involved, but it's really an exciting future, I believe, the future that Bitcoin uh, can help foster for everyone. So uh, excited to you know be on this platform and, and talk about it with you, Aaron. And just to give everybody a little bit of a background, when John and I met and started dating in December of 2017, he just finished the book Sapiens. And one theme that's really popular in that book is this idea that money isn't real or almost like things exist when you put when you think there is value in it. And I know that was kind of a big part of the early stages in our relationship. We 
dated. We moved in together right away. We traveled to Asia about five, six months into really just meeting, just dating. And then we got a place together in Chicago and got engaged about a year after that. So this has been something, what we value, what we put meaning in has continuously been a theme in in our relationship, I would really say. So let's talk about Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? Great. So Bitcoin, the capital B, is really the computer software protocol for the asset, lowercase Bitcoin or abbreviated BTC, uh, which is a value that is essentially encrypted uh, online and an ability for a peer-to-peer cash system without an intermediary. So never before we've been able to transfer value to one another directly without having some other backing, whether it be the government backing. Um, And it really is a similar form uh, to gold. So it can be thought of, there's a few analogies that you can use with Bitcoin, but really thinking of it uh, first and foremost is a long-term store of value uh, with similar design with similar properties uh, to gold in terms of its uh, scarcity and the long-standing history of gold in in modern society in, in human society for being able to store value uh, over long periods of time and then being able to be used as a medium of exchange like with gold or with gold coins of equal weight and finally um, being a unit of account. So how do we decide the value uh, of our business or of our endeavors and and evaluate different investments that can be made? Uh, All of this can be done uh, using Bitcoin as as a standard. Right now we're obviously all in the the world is using the dollar, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be this way. Uh, And I think one really fascinating part of Bitcoin, again, is that it's decentralized. There's no one body, there's no central bank, there's no people in charge of Bitcoin. It was designed beautifully as uh, the protocol put into place its monetary policy developing and utilizing the highest level of cryptographic security protocols and really solving problems that had eluded different Um, developers who've tried to create a digital or internet or cryptocurrency over the years. So it wasn't the first attempt to do this, but it was uh, to um, create a digital currency, but it was really the the first and the best in creating this network effect of having a, a system called Bitcoin for to, to be potentially the basis of uh, human economic activity. Something that I think is so interesting about Bitcoin is, let's say, for example, I wanted to send money to Africa or India or any of these places. Something that comes up so often with my clients, and for example, I had a client last week, she uses a very specific platform and they charge her 3% for every transaction. And then it's also integrated with Stripe. Stripe is a very, very common credit card processing system and Stripe takes 2.9%. So on every single transaction that my client was 
really moving through on this platform, she was losing 5.9% of her sale to the integration on her website and Stripe. And that's something that's really cool about Bitcoin, that the value, I could send money to Africa or I could send money to Australia or I could send money to India and the value kind of just transfers. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I find so interesting. The other thing that I would love to talk about is this idea of value. So something John says to me all the time is, you know, the $10 that we have in our wallet today, that's not going to equal $10 10 years from now. But a Bitcoin will always equal a Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. So really with the beauty of, of Bitcoin and, and the reason why it's been growing in popularity and now over a, a trillion dollar asset uh, is its scarcity. And the way that Bitcoin was designed is that there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin put into circulation. Uh, and right now we're about 18.6 or so uh, million Bitcoin that have already been put into circulation and they will continue to be mined and we can get into what, what mining looks like uh, until 2140. So there's a preset uh, schedule on when and, and how Bitcoin would be released uh, into, into the world. And in that way, you know that with that capped supply, that one Bitcoin will be worth one Bitcoin and that you, you can at any period in time, because of its transparent nature, now you can go and look and see, okay, how many, you know, what percent of the, the global wealth do I, do I have or how much do I think I'll need to um, you know, to live the life that I, that I want to live. And uh, it's important to note, um, too, that Bitcoin is um, divisible by 100 million units. Each Bitcoin can be divisible. So it's eight decimal points, commonly referred to as a sat or a Satoshi, named after the founder, Satoshi Nakamoto, who developed uh, he, she, or they. It's an anonymous uh, creator. Uh, of the protocol and right now it's interesting that one dollar is equal to about 1750 sats hey everybody aaron here just wanted to drop in and invite you in on a little bit of a secret i am launching an incredible new mastermind the limitless mastermind it is a place for entrepreneurs to come work with me for 12 months and meet me in an exciting location somewhere around the world for a business coaching and spiritual retreat this is for the entrepreneur who is ready to scale their business to multiple six figures in alignment while focusing on freedom, while feeling good. This is everything that I truly, truly believe in. We are going to bring in a copywriter to support the container. John's going to be a financial supporter and strategist. And we are going to have my amazing friend Perry for integration and for healing practices as well. This really is for you if you are ready to build that legacy brand, share your truth, share the medicine on your heart, step into that authentic soul leading CEO. I am ecstatic to invite you into the Limitless Mastermind. Early action pricing, this is a secret, is now live. So if you want to connect, if you want to hop on a call with me, message me on Instagram at Aaron R. Doppelt, E-R-I-N-R-D-O-P-P-E-L-T. 
message me there. Let me know that you heard this specific episode, this specific commercial, and you and I can hop on a call. Make sure that the Limitless Mastermind is the next aligned step for you. Thank you all so much for being here. And I'm ecstatic to work with you in the Limitless Mastermind. Then one Bitcoin will be equal to $1 million. And a couple of really useful analogies for Bitcoin is one is like land. There's a, only a certain amount of land in the world. And it's essentially right now we'll be able to buy this you know, Internet land, essentially, and, and really be uh, treating Bitcoin as a scarce prime real estate. Another one is email. Email is really just a protocol of a way to transfer data from one person to another. Totally. You know, you can all, you have to have your password and you are able to get into your account, but you're known to the world with a public email address that anyone can reach, reach you at. And it's similar for Bitcoin, where everyone has a public address where someone can send you Bitcoin and you have the, but only you have the private keys or access to your private keys in order to send the Bitcoin. And essentially the Bitcoin, everyone has a, a 256 bit uh, uh, private key, which is binary. So 256 string of zeros and ones, that is your key. Wow. Um, and using some very sophisticated uh, SHA-2 encryption technology, which is really military grade encryption technology, your public key can be generated from your private key, but not vice versa. So no one can reverse engineer what your private key is by knowing what your public key is. And all of, of the value of Bitcoin that's in circulation is just is completely transparent. It's in a ledger that anyone can go on and see which wallet or which private, which public address holds X amount of BTC of Bitcoin. So really this transparent ledger and having it be distributed, uh, technology, distributed ledger technology is super unique and kind of also known as blockchain technology because it's one source of truth. Each block contains all the transactions that occurred within that block. Mm. And as you stack each of those blocks on top of each other, you have a shared source of truth, a shared history for all of the transactions that have taken place using Bitcoin, starting with mining. And mining is so interesting. I mean, first and foremost, what you said, all the blockchain, all the privacy that is there to keep your Bitcoin safe. And something that is so interesting about sustainability, and I know so many of my clients, so many of my listeners really prioritize practicing kindness for the earth, for for all beings on the earth as well. And gold mining is actually really, really bad for the environment. I mean, just digging into the earth over and over again. And what's so interesting about Bitcoin mining it's just kind of really brilliant people on commute computers all day, right? <laughs> sort of. Well, it's transferring electricity or power into value. So really, it's an essence and uh, can help move energy in, in, into value. So rather than, you know, as humans, we've always kind of needed to be near the source of, of electricity or power, whether it be water power and hydraulics or um, nuclear power or obviously now in most of our 
world being powered by fossil fuels and, and hydrocarbons, you've had to kind of be near, you know, or that wind or that solar power. But now what can essentially be done is take some of that power, put it into the Bitcoin network, and now it can be transferred as value and, and, and as Bitcoin uh, around the world. And Satoshi brilliantly used mining as kind of an analogy for gold. And if you think about how silly gold is, we spend all this time and effort and tear up the earth just to find this metal that then we safeguard and transport and just put into our own vaults <laughs> that and, and not to be used really again. And the way that Bitcoin is mined is, is through electricity and it's proof of work. So you have to prove that you've done the work and come up with a really it's almost a random number generator it's a you're able to solve a very complex math equation using energy to then be rewarded with the block and be the one to create and add that block to the blockchain and in order to reward miners and really this is where a lot of the um, game theory comes into play and what in bitcoin um, is is by rewarding uh, the verification of all the transactions. So rather than trust, trusting a third party institution, trusting your bank, trusting the government, we're verifying. We're verifying that all these transactions uh, took place and that someone had to put in energy in order to gain the reward. And what's super interesting about Bitcoin is that that reward schedule is built in. Hmm. So every 210,000 blocks, and each block is about 10 minutes long, it, for the first 210,000 blocks, the reward was 50 Bitcoin. And that's equivalent, 210,000 blocks is about four years. So in 2012, wow. uh, we had the first halving. And what's the halving is when the reward to the miners is cut in half. So the amount of circulation of Bitcoin that's being, the amount of Bitcoin that's being put into circulation is halved every four years. And we've seen some subsequent rises in the price and excitement and enthusiasm about Bitcoin in line with these halving cycles. And then in 2016, it was reduced, um, or it was started at 50 and then reduced to 25. In 2016, it was reduced to 12 and a half. And now since 2020, in May of 2020, so about a year ago, it was reduced to 6.25. Uh, per per block, uh, and also a beauty of uh, in the way that the code was built is the difficulty adjustment. Because if you think about it, we were talking about energy and what we put in. So as computational power, as computers continue to get stronger, how can you ensure that someone with a super strong computer isn't just going to mine all the blocks too quickly? There's an algorithm built in known as the difficulty adjustment into Bitcoin which ensures that as more and more energy is being put into the network, the math problem that's being solved essentially becomes harder and harder hmm. so that the average is out to still about 10 minutes. But as more miners are spending more and more energy, it's actually securing the transactions because in this way, a bad actor would maybe would try to come in and say, I'm gonna put in 51% of the energy needed and now get to define and rewrite all the history of the blocks. But because of game theory, they won't, or because of the increase in computational power, 
it's that much more energy that would be needed to do something like that. That maybe could have happened in the early days of Bitcoin, but now with the amount of hash power, as it's known, or the amount of um, energy that's going in to the computations is so high that something like that happening is extremely unlikely. And because the miners are being rewarded in Bitcoin, they won't want to reduce the value of Bitcoin. They want it to be, it's really a trusted system across all of the different nodes uh, or uh, any peer that's running this, the open source software where they are validating and verifying everything in the history of, of the ledger or the transaction. So it's really like one source of truth that no one would want to alter because then their Bitcoin, the miners wouldn't want to alter because then their Bitcoin would be, wouldn't have uh, value. So, it's like so now that energy that they're putting in is a waste if they try to change the history or if they try to um, affect uh, or try to steal a Bitcoin and say, hey, it's here and not here. Well, we'll look back in the history of the blocks and say, no, this, this isn't true and it'll be rejected. So what this looks like is a bunch of people sitting in a room on a computer trying to crack a code. And once they crack a code, it releases a block of Bitcoin and they get access to it first before the public? Uh, not exactly. Well, they'll, they'll get access to those 50 Bitcoin. So each miner will have a wallet address and will essentially say, okay, now 50 Bitcoin or now 6.25 Bitcoin is going to this miner that uh, that crack that they crack the code. Crack the code. So how do we get it? They decide to sell it, and that's how we get it. So exactly. the only way that we can get Bitcoin is if miners crack the code. They choose to sell it, and then we can purchase it. Exactly. And in the early days, it was pretty hard to actually get access to Bitcoin. You had to be, you know, more advanced in um, being able to work with the software. But in more recent years, as exchanges have uh, come into being, one you know, large one obviously being. Coinbase, but there's Binance, FTX, a lot of others that are out there where you can go in and link your bank account, put in fiat currency and, and buy Bitcoin. So we may be in a future not too far away where you can't, as the supply dwindles, where you can't just go in and buy Bitcoin and you will actually have to receive it from someone else because you're offering a service or a product of value to them where they're willing to you know, give up their Bitcoin. So. The number of the Bitcoin on exchanges has actually been decreasing and now it's just over 2 million. So if you think about it, you know, out of the 18 and a half million Bitcoin in circulation, there's only 2 million that are still actively being exchanged on or traded on exchanges. Uh, so and, and as you see what's um, more and more interest, you actually see, you know, this these FOMO <laughs> cycles driving up the price because as people see the price go up of an asset, they get more attention and you get more people interested in the network. And, and that helps create the value and really that story, you know, coming back to what is money um, of value that's uh, that's out there. So, um, you know, there's kind of a lot of technical details as you go into the, the rabbit hole. I'm not as familiar with coding and kind of these aspects, but I'm more familiar even with the monetary policy and kind of the impact of having a scarce asset can have on, you know, really behavior and decision making. Um, and it's it's awesome to, you know, then see see it progress. And each day that the network survives and, and moves forward, you know, it's been around for 12, 13 years now. Um, it continues to strengthen everybody's 
confidence that it will work and you know you don't necessarily have to know how email works but you know that it works right you right. trust that it works and that there's and, and there's a lot of different ways to then store or kind of use the bitcoin once you have it um but that's uh that's something we'll talk about in a future episode and the reason john and i really wanted to hop on and we'll close with this is this idea of freedom of really absolute freedom my clients work with me from around the world to have financial freedom to have personal freedom to have soul aligned freedom to share the medicine on their heart maybe live a little bit of an alternative lifestyle and john recently finished this book called sovereign individual and it, it really touches on everything that's kind of the core of my business but how Bitcoin and this whole conversation really relates to freedom. So can we just close with a couple comments on that? Absolutely. And you'll see a lot of people, whether it be on crypto Twitter or other uh, avenues as you as you read more articles from a lot of the great minds who've written about Bitcoin, it really is all about freedom. Because right now with the dollar system, everyone is tied to decision makers in Washington and around the world, the dollar is being used as really the highest layer of money uh, or, you know, in the U.S. Treasuries. Um, in Nick Batia's uh, Layered Money book, he um, describes, which, which I'm reading now, is, is, is really great. And when you have Bitcoin, you know, you, you can go anywhere in the world and carry that value on you. No one can come and hold a gun to your head and say, give me your Bitcoin. Why? Because... As you hold Bitcoin in, in a wallet, uh, generally it's you you have a 12 or 24 word mnemonic device that you can essentially memorize and, and open up a wallet anywhere, and you have that value. Never in the history of the world could you go to a different country. Even now, you fill out your customs forms. And they say, "Are you carrying over ten thousand dollars in cash?" Or um, you, know, you want one bank account to send to another bank account, and you end up with huge foreign exchange fees that take weeks. Now all of a sudden you ha you're free. You have the value in your in your head essentially that you can send anywhere, bring anywhere that no one can take from you, and that can't be devalued by someone deciding to print more dollars. So it's you know it's completely transparent. Um, anyone can download the software, and because of the size, uh, you know intentionally Satoshi limited the size of each block. I believe it's only a megabyte. You know. With all the blocks, you can easily store it on, have it on any device. So, you know, some critics might say, and as other cryptocurrencies have been put in, put out there, that say, you know, we're gonna transact even faster. I don't want to wait ten minutes for it to be posted to a block, or I want um, it to be lower cost because another way that the system, really the way that the system will be sustained into the future. Right now, obviously, miners are incentivized from the block reward, but eventually the block reward will go away. There's also a transaction fee that is paid to whoever wins the block that is essentially posting all of those transactions that took place over the last you know, 10 minutes uh, over the last block. So, But as the price of Bitcoin increases, that transaction fee will also increase um, and it's thought to be, you know, continue to secure the network um, I don't get that. into the that? future. The transaction fee is anytime you, you, you move Bitcoin around from one wallet to another, you're paying the, the nodes, uh, everyone who's running the software, to essentially kind of add that transaction to the ledger. So, you'll, but you can see you can transfer million, tens of millions, hundreds of millions around the world, 
almost instantaneously for a couple dollars, essentially is what it, what it ends up being. Um, but that price, that transaction fee does kind of ebb and flow um, based on the different nodes that are running. Um, with Freedom and with Bitcoin, it's a really unique opportunity, I think, for everyone to, to reevaluate how you store your wealth, how you bring that into the future and you know trust one another and have peer uh, you know these peer-to-peer transactions and other networks that are being built on top of Bitcoin, like the Lightning Network and like Strike, for example, where you can send money instantaneously and it's being done on a second layer essentially. And those transactions are even faster and even cheaper, essentially free, uh, happening right away. And you can transfer dollars into someone else's currency around the world, leveraging the Bitcoin and Lightning and Strike Network uh, because of its open source right away. And we're seeing some amazing results there. So there's really a lot of use cases. And as the world becomes more and more, and we become such a globalized, interchangeable world, we realize that borders or boundaries or our currencies, you know, sort of there in in our heads but it, it's creating more confusion and preventing real people from you know transacting and, and cooperating with one another so i think that's a really cool aspect of bitcoin and excited to kind of talk more uh, about that with you uh, next time Aaron. thanks my love thank you for all of this great information if you have questions comments feelings reactions please Leave a comment. I would love to answer them. John would love to answer them. We have a couple future episodes diving more into this topic. If you are listening, please take a screenshot. Tag me at Aaron R. Doppelt, E-R-I-N-R-D-O-P-P-E-L-T, to be entered to win a one-on-one session with me. I'm happy to bring John on as well, should you desire. Please rate, comment, subscribe. So grateful to have you all here. Have a good day and looking forward to connecting soon.